Turn to the word of the Lord this morning. Please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Let's ask for help. Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit that you gave us, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lead us into all truth and guide us, Holy Spirit, that today we would be ignited with fire. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A portion of Scripture for our text today is found in Isaiah 6. Verses 1 through 8, let us begin at chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, that's far enough, all right. In the year that King Uzziah died, that would be a landmark year. That would be something that happened in Isaiah's life and in the life of Judah for them to come to a realization that some trauma, some tragedy just took place. The ruler that we've had for many, many years who's brought prosperity and favor and goodness into the land is now dead. What are we going to do now, folks? And so in that year that King Uzziah dies, it troubles Isaiah and he needs to seek the Lord. And so as he's wondering what's going on, let's take a look at who this king is. He says that Uzziah dies and Uzziah had reigned in Judah for 52 years. He started when he was 16. How about that? And he was co-heir with his father, co-regent Amaziah. And uh, Uzziah then uh, reigned as king and took over and for 52 years reigned. He was very successful uh, politically. He had a favored relationship with those warring armies and nations around Judah, and he had sustained keeping them out, so there was a time of peace. And how many of you love peace, right? No wars going on. He had bolstered up his military, and he was also a military genius where they invented during his reign certain um, instruments of warfare we know them as catapults and those things that would hurl large stones and very long spears that he would have up in the turrets and on the walls of jerusalem to keep the city from being overtaken so he was forceful in his military which kept peace politically and also he brought a lot of prosperity good crops good agriculture in safety they can increase and grow so i mean this was a favored season king uzziah was a good guy now that he's dead oh my gosh what are we going to do who's going to sustain us who's going to protect us who's going to keep us healthy and satisfied and so this was the the dilemma for isaiah the prophet, who at this time was a young man. At this time, Isaiah is just starting his career, and according to rabbinic tradition, he was the first cousin of King Uzziah. So this had some family implications here. He was pretty sad about this favored uh, cousin of his, an honorable man. And Isaiah, he's just starting out, and the king dies on his watch at the beginning of his ministry. He, uh, Isaiah uh, was the prophet for five more kings and had a 40-year ministry. So what we see here in Isaiah 6 is Isaiah coming into his ministry 
And when he just gets started, the good king dies. And that's rough to take, isn't it? And so I don't know if any of you have had a fresh start that just went, Eep. and uh, so you get troubled. And so what's amazing about this statement is this. He marks it with the problem, but this problem presents a greater solution. And he says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Hallelujah. Sometimes good things have to be taken away so that you will see the great things. And sometimes what seemed to be a really great season and when it goes away seems to be traumatic, it's introducing you to a new level that God wants to bring you to. How many of you have ever experienced that? And so what seemed to be going great and all of a sudden there seems to be calamity, many times it's to get you to prepare for the next level that God's got for you. And that's what's going on with Isaiah in chapter 6. It's his inauguration. As a prophet, he sees a king die. He sees an empty throne. He looks to the temple and what will happen for Israel. And in that moment, he has a vision that goes beyond the temple in Jerusalem into the Holy of Holies and the temple of heaven. And he sees the Lord high and lifted up and his train fills the temple. And he stood there and saw the seraphim, these angelic creatures, each had six wings, with two covering their face, two covering their feet, and two that kept them floating and flying above the throne of God, each one calling to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And at the sound of this, the foundations and the thresholds of heaven shook, and the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, Whoa! I mean, you would too, wouldn't you? That's awesome! Whoa! God is awesome. At the death of what is the best, comes the awesome view of what is the greatest. Many of you have had to transition through difficult times, transition through losing Uzziah's prosperity, peace, good times, sustainability. All these things collapse, and you have to now focus on where your true foundation is. It's not King Uzziah that kept Israel safe. It's not King Uzziah that had political ties. It's not King Uzziah who was able to prosper uh, the nation financially. Where does our help come from? Who is the steward and the foundation of all that we have? It's God and God alone. And it's times where that has to be taken away so that you'll turn your gaze back to the one who's been there all the time in your life. We easily get sidetracked and we easily get comfortable. And so there are times when King Uzziah's have to die. And so we see in this vision an amazing, amazing time for Isaiah. But what's interesting as I searched this out and began to study this is the correlation between what Isaiah saw in the heavenlies to what happened in the earthly realm. And so what I'd like you to do is Please turn with me to 2 Chronicles 
chapter 26. 2 Chronicles 26. We'll come back to Isaiah 6. Now, 2 Chronicles, if you need help finding it, it's after 1 Chronicles. Okay? And then chapter 26 is after chapter 25. So I'm just helping you along. 1 Chronicles 26. 1 Chronicles 26. And so let's take a look at King Uzziah. Here he is, he dies. What a great king. What an amazing king. He was known as one of the uh, most prosperous kings besides Jehoshaphat since the time of Solomon. And so he was a greatly favored good king who followed the ways of Yahweh. And so with all of his genius, all of his peace, and his great leadership and ruling as a king, Israel was blessed. But how many of you know what prosperity can do to a people? And with prosperity, something happened to Uzziah. We start at 2 Chronicles 26, verse 16. When he was strong. Hmm? How many of you remember what Paul said? When I am weak, that's when I know to lean on the Lord. Uzziah, when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah, the priest, went in after him, and 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, Hey, it's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn the incense. Go out of the sanctuary. You've done wrong. It will bring you no honor from the Lord. Hey, you're doing this wrong. How many of you remember Saul, King Saul, when he offered sacrifice to God? And, and Samuel said, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Who do you think you are? And the high priest comes in. He goes, no, no, king, no. He's telling the king. Now the king is the king. <laughs> but the priests, 80 of them, run in and say, no, no, don't do this. Don't do this. It is not for you. You are not of the sons of Aaron. You are not made, Lord, a king, to be one offering incense on the altar of God. How many of you remember Nadab and Abihu? We have some history here, folks. Nadab and Abihu, sons of Aaron, brought strange fire, in, and they were instantly killed. King Uzziah, we've got a good thing going here. Stop, please, please, don't do this. Don't go any further. And what was the attitude of the king being scolded and being warned by 80 priests and the high priest saying, please don't bring this on us. Don't do this. And Uzziah responded with anger. Who do you think you are talking to me? I'm the king. Mm. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. Everybody say, by the altar of incense. 
And Azirah, the chief priest, and all the priests look at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out, because the Lord had struck him. God makes kings, and God can depose kings. You want a crown on your head? I'll give you a crown on your head. And God put a crown of leprosy right on his forehead. And struck him with leprosy so that the rest of his reign, he had leprosy and his son had to come in as a regent to finish out the reign of Uzziah. Good king. Good man. Great work. But pride came and made him unclean. And so he could no longer continue to do what he was supposed to do. Now, when you compare this to the vision that Isaiah had, when you consider that the king who sat on the throne was now unclean and filthy with the sin of pride, and when Isaiah looked to the throne that once was Uzziah's and now sees the throne of God in heaven, and what is that throne like? It is a holy throne. It is above all other thrones. In fact, the angels cannot stop but say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. The throne of God is holiness. It's righteousness. It's goodness. It's glory. And God is a faithful king and a righteous judge. Uzziah, his glory lasted 52 years. That was the extent of his glory. But when Isaiah saw the glory of God in the temple, he saw that the train of his robe filled the entire temple. Now what does that mean? You see, back in the day when kings were to show their glory and their power and their regency, they would wear robes And the length of their robe or the train, the trail of the robe, showed how bad they were, how big they were, how glorious they were. So they would walk and the train of this thing would walk behind them, right? How many of you remember seeing like Princess Diana, she's royalty, when she got married, the train of her dress went, how? what, I don't know how far, about a mile, I guess, I don't know. That thing went all the way down and stewards are attending to the train, right? The train shows the glory. Well, the train of God's robe filled heaven. His glory filled the temple of heaven. In other words, uh, Isaiah, you think you're all that, but Isaiah saw the true glory of God who was holy and above all. Once Isaiah saw the Lord... He no longer marked his experience by the time Uzziah died. He now marks it by the time I saw the Lord. That's what matters to him. And so folks, there are times when God has to reveal himself to you so that you will lean completely on him and not yourself. And so God called Isaiah the prophet. God has called all of you to be a prophet, a king, and a priest for Him. And as Isaiah, you need to look to God and to have a revelation of who He is. You couldn't get saved until you had a revelation 
of who God was. Once you had that revelation of the holiness of God, what happens when you see the revelation of who God is and in His holiness? You recognize who you are. And so, when you recognize that you're a sinner, then you recognize you need a Savior. That's what brought you to this place today. But there is a calling on your life to go farther and to be greater. And that is going to take a greater revelation of Jesus Christ. You don't need more training, but training's good. You don't need more education. Education's good. You don't need to have more connections. Those are all nice. What we need as a people is a revelation of God's holiness. we got to stop leaning on the arm of flesh. we got to stop believing that what this world needs is a better leader and a better ruler. Though we could use it, I'll tell you what, we know the one who is in complete authority, and we need to lean on Him. Amen? Now go back to Isaiah 6, and let's take a look at what's going on. And in the call of Isaiah, as he saw the Lord high and lifted up, It changed his reality from the king being dead to in fact knowing God is on the throne. And in this call of Isaiah, we find the necessary call for each one of us. And I want to go over four things with you. Number one is you need to turn your gaze to God. Isaiah looked at his trouble. He looked at his good king dying. He looked at the problems until he turned his gaze to God. There have been times where God has had to take away your Uzziah. He had to take away the good things in your life so that you'd see the greater things of God. How many of you know that? How many of you have experienced that? How many of you have had times that were so good, times that were right, times you knew was great, and only to be taken away, and you feel broken, and you feel, how am I ever going to get through this? How am I going to keep going? You measure it by the year King Uzziah died. But it changed forever when Isaiah then said, I saw the Lord. I've had experiences in my life where things were great, things were good. I good family, good life, things are good. And at 16, year old, 16 years old, my King Uzziah died. My father And so King Uzziah died, but I could say this, in the year that King Uzziah died in my life, I saw the Lord. The only thing that got me through that was a greater revelation of who Jesus is. And I've had good times in my life, and I've had times when things are all right with the world, and all is well. And I I know another experience of a a King Uzziah in my life, of a relationship of of my brother-in-law that was so close to me, kind of replaced my father and came very close in relationship, and he was killed in a motorcycle accident. And my King Uzziah, in the year my King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You see, folks, there are times when Uzziah dies. The good things that have been great for us We want them sustained. We want them longer. We want them further. But they die. They go away from us. But God says, look to me. And in the year your Uzziah dies, see me. 
Because above everything else that you and I have in this life, there's one thing that will never leave us, one thing that will never forsake us. And though He uses others to bless us, all the blessings are from Him. He's our Savior. He's our everything. So we need to recalibrate and have a vision of God. He'll get you through this. Isaiah was starting out his ministry and his ministry was forever changed at the beginning of his ministry to know that there is a God on the throne that's talking to me and it's not up to the guy sitting on the bench. It might be in November, we might say, in the year that America died, I saw the Lord. beyond this government folks it's beyond republican democrat it's beyond this election there is a king on the throne who has a people in this nation that he's wanting to have a burning vision of who he is and so the first thing we need to do is turn our gaze to god turn our gaze to god so that you'll have an impact as isaiah did forever knowing that he saw god Many times good things are taken away so that you may see the greater things revealed. One man put it this way, God may not explain himself, but he will reveal who he is. Amen? Now, what is amazing is as Isaiah saw this um, wonderful revelation of who God is, he hears the seraphim cry out, holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And the first thing in response to all this majesty is Isaiah says, Woe is me. I am undone. I'm emptied. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. Well, he's, he's Jewish, so he didn't say, whoa, he said, oy vey. <laughs> but what's fascinating is this, he said, I am undone. And the Hebrew word for undone is dama. And its root words can mean silenced. So when he says, woe is me, I'm undone, it makes sense that the proper translation is, I am speechless. Why? Because he, he ties it right in. For I am a man of what? Unclean lips. So, the, so it makes sense that the translation would be, I am speechless. I am utterly silent. Why? Because he stands in the midst of something so holy and so glorious and so powerful, everything is shifting and shaking and the glory is filling that place. And the seraphim are crying, holy, 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 all of heaven is rejoicing at the holiness of God. He says, I can't enter in, I can't say anything because I'm filthy. I can't utter a word. I can't join in on that because I'm, I'm silent. I'm speechless because my lips are unclean. Now, what you need to understand with this is that he humbles himself 
to recognize his condition. He says, I'm unclean. And this relates to Uzziah, who approached the temple of God. Because the leper, according to the book of Leviticus, is always to cover his upper lip. Whenever anybody had leprosy, he's to cover the upper lip and he is to call himself unclean. And so if he approaches anyone, he covers his lip and he says, unclean, unclean, unclean. And so the king in his arrogance who was going to approach God is an unclean, leprous man who is of unclean lips. And what Isaiah recognizes is that the king he lived under brought an uncleanness to the nation. And Isaiah recognized his own leprosy before a holy God. And he says, my mouth is unclean. I'm a leper before you living among a nation of lepers. Because Uzziah's arrogance and pride brought leprosy upon us all. Who do we think we are? Do you think God favors us because we're Americans? Are you an American first? Or are you a Christian? And have we come to a place where this nation sins are now upon us as a people. All of us. For the first rule of intercession is that you carry the burden of guilt that the people you're praying for. Daniel cried out, forgive me for the sins of Israel and Judah. Every intercessor cries out, forgive me for the sin." And Isaiah understood it standing in the place of a prophet that if he's going to intercede for his nation before the throne of God, the one who represented as king became leprous. We all became leprous. And so there's a sin here in the land that's infiltrated the church and we're a people who are unclean and if we're ever going to get cleansed, we've got to repent before a holy God. It's not me, it's them. It's us. And the prophet got it. The prophet knew. It's the first thing he says. I can't speak. I can't enter into holy, holy, holy. For I am leprous of a generation of people who are leprous. He says later in Isaiah 64, I think this stayed with him, as he says, Isaiah 64, 6, For all of us have become like one who is un clean it's the same word used for the lepers and he said we've all come unclean and all our righteousness are as filthy rags menstrual rags is the interpretation in the hebrew and all of us wither like a leaf and all our iniquities like the wind take us away why is this prophet this holy man saying us me us me Because if you're going to intercede, you need to stand in the place of the people. 
And if we're going to intercede as a people for this nation, and if we're going to intercede for Americans and the church in America, we have to say, we have become leprous, proud of who we are. Pride is killing us. Pride is what's taking us down and making us unclean. Isaiah, he said, woe, woe unto me, for I am speechless and cannot speak in the presence of a holy and mighty God. For I am leprous and my nation is leprous. But how many of you thank God for his provision? Thank God. He never leaves us in our condition. He needs for us to waken to it, to be aware of it, so that we will receive the provision of cleansing. And so, as Isaiah is undone and silenced in the presence of a holy God, he's a prophet, he's supposed to speak the oracles of God. He's supposed to use his voice. And Israel was supposed to be the light to all the nations. They're the prophet to the nations, the intercessors to the nations, but they're leprous and they're unclean before God. But God's got a remedy. How many of you know that? God's got a remedy. And so where does the remedy come from? Isaiah 6, 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me. Do you know what a seraphim is? Seraph, a seraphim, literally in the Hebrew means burning ones. He sent a burning one. Those who stood above the throne decrying, crying out, declaring, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Lord of hosts, the host is the angel armies. He's the one that kept Israel. He's the one that is their strength. He's the one that brought the peace. He's the God of their armies. His armies are burning armies. How many of you know we need an army of God's burning fire to come into the church again? To burn in us, to stir in us the power and the majesty of God. He sent the seraphim who cried the whole earth is filled with His glory. And one of the burning ones, where does he go? He goes and having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away from you. Your sin is atoned. For God makes his angels spirits flames of fire. They are the burning ones. And and so they, they burn into the holy presence of God. I mean, they're so reverential to the glory of God, they cover their feet as not to be exposed before the presence of God, cover their eyes to the majesty of God, and with two wings they fly. And they cry out, holy, 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 and they set the tone for all of heaven. And you might think, well, you know what, how long can we say that? When you're in the presence of God, there's nothing else left to say. There's nothing else left in your body but to respond to what you're seeing and all you can say is holy, 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 
Holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. You become saturated. You become amazed that all that you see is God. All that you recognize is God. And all that you can say is, He's awesome. He's God. He's, he's holy. And one angel says to the next. And then that angel says to the next. And that angel then repeats over to the next. And the third one says to the next. And the perfection of the triune God is declared. And all of us will only be able to give glory to God because there's nothing else you could think of in your mind nothing else you could say that even would be worth saying and it's fire that burns and it consumes everything and the seraph goes to the altar of incense where king Uzziah was gonna go so proud but this angel who is in fact fire himself goes and uses the tongs I mean, that just shows you the reverence and the honor. He will not touch them except by the certain utensil of implement that he should properly go. You remember Uzzah who tried to study the ark under his abilities. Nah, nah, all of heaven is right in its order and reverence to God. And Isaiah knew it the minute he stepped into it. He recognized he was the only thing out of order. How can we continue as a people so out of order with God when He is so holy and glorious? How dare us? This angel goes and he takes this coal burning with the glory of God and he puts it in his hand. Now that's hot. And he takes this burning coal and it's the remedy of Isaiah's leprosy. It's the remedy of an unclean mouth. And he burns that coal onto his mouth. And he says, Thou art cleansed. That's the remedy. That's the remedy to sin. The very altar of God, the fire that came, the burning love of God put on flesh to dwell among us. And that utensil that was to take that burning coal from the altar was the very cross that carried our savior and he's the burning ember of heaven his love embers of love from heaven burning on that cross to touch our lives to cleanse us from sin forever he's the coal on the altar that came and cleansed us oh my goodness Oh, man, I want you to know something. This burning is coming to planet Earth. This fire is coming. The seraphim are coming. The coal from the altar is coming. Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Someone had an experience in heaven as well. His name was John. And as John the Revelator saw what was going on in chapter 8, he says, the Lamb opened the seventh seal, and there was silence in heaven. Just like Isaiah was silenced in heaven. Speechless in heaven because the fire's coming off the altar one more time. 
And as the fire comes off the altar from a half hour, it's silence. And then I saw seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth and there were peals of thunder rumblings flashings of lightning and an earthquake that is coming God is bringing a cleansing fire of burning coals from the altar of incense before him to planet earth because he's bringing one final judgment to cleanse pride and to cleanse human hearts if they will and as he brings that fire to the earth to kill the leprosy of sin, it will bring a shaking like never before. And all, all will look to Him and bow a knee and confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. The coal from the altar of incense. Do you see how what Isaiah saw was what Uzziah had failed to do? And how dare he attempt to approach a holy God? The coal that burns is coming. There's a fire that God wants. He took a coal from off the altar and he found someone who would be a vessel an incense container who would hold this fire and would bring it to the lips of a dying world. You're the coal off the altar. You are now from the altar of incense. You're the sweet fragrance of God. You're the burning ember from God's own throne. You're the voice of God now that your lips are cleansed. You now speak Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. You're the coal of the altar. Now come to touch planet earth. Now come to touch other people who will recognize and say, Woe unto me, I am silenced in my arguments. I'm silenced in my critiques. I've got nothing else to say, but God forgive me. You're the vehicle now to bring this altar of incense So last of all, though, in this vision that Isaiah has, he sees God high and lifted up His majesty and His glory. He's silenced, knowing his own leprosy, recognizing this is a repeat of everything Uzziah had done, but now being accomplished, the coal burning his lips, freeing him now and cleansing him. God asks this question. And God is always wanting a free will response. And so in Isaiah 6, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, verse 8, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Come on. What are you asking that question for? Look around. Who's in heaven? All the angels and God and that dude. What do you mean, who will go for us? You just took the coal off the altar. You just sent an angel to burn his lips. What do you mean, who's going to go for us? Send that guy. 
Isn't that what this is all about? But don't you love that about God? God wants a response. God wants to move in your life so mightily, but then he asks, now what will you do? And this is what's so amazing. And this is where it begins to break down. And this is where God meets us on Sundays. God meets us on Wednesdays. God meets you last night in your prayer closet. God meets you in your car when you're crying and driving and you hear that song. God touches you and he moves you. And then he says, and what will you do? And it's right there where we break down. Who will go for me? Well, we need someone who's cleansed. Got him. We need someone who's obedient. Got him. It's like the most obvious thing. There was an elephant in the room. It was Isaiah. So he he could have chosen one of three answers. Number one, he could have said, you know, it just doesn't feel right for my life right now. It just, the timing's not good for me. He He could have aborted this. He could have said, you know, I don't think so. I think there's better people than me, obviously. I'm young. There's other prophets. There's Jedekei down the road. That dude's awesome. What a, I'm, you know, I'm not feeling it. What do you need? When God moves heaven and earth, sends burning angels, puts coals on your lips, what else do you need? Well, I never got any of that. <laughs> Granted, it'd be great. But what did you get? You got God coming in the flesh and dying on a cross for you. You got him raising from the dead and breaking the power of sin and death and visiting you and opening your eyes to his majesty and calling you into his kingdom. What else do you need? Well, I just don't feel it. Well, that could have been one. Or the second, he could have delayed it. Jonah delayed it, right? We could, you know, that coal... My lips, a little bit burnt right now. I'm in a lot of pain. I really can't be used because I'm hurting and you need to help me. Right? I mean, we're all, we all easily could disqualify ourselves because we are either in pain or we don't have enough education or we don't think we're the right person or it's going to take too much effort because I've got these other issues. So give me a couple more years, God. But you know, that's not Isaiah. What I read in this is God calls out, whom shall I send and who will go for us? He asks this question so that someone will own the answer. Will you own it? And so what Isaiah says, then I said, here am I, send me. (laughs) That's what he's waiting for. I'm a little worked up. Because God is so awesome. He's so awesome, and he's done this with everybody. So, here am I. I mean, come on, Isaiah knew he's the only guy out of of place, right? Sesame Street all over. Which of one of these things doesn't belong? (laughs) Me. Here am I. Here I am. Here I am. Our... Remember Horshack? Is that the guy's name? Remember the guy? Ooh, 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 me, me, me. Send me, me. Oh, if the church would be so fiery. 
I've become a burning fire shut up in my bones. I can't be quiet. And that's what's going to have to happen here. I don't know what our excuses are. Do you know what? When you start on fire, whatever demon's been dogging you can't stand its teeth in you any longer because you're on fire for God and they don't want to even be touching you. The fire of God is on us no matter what condition. Yeah, King Uzziah died. What happened to Isaiah, huh? The year that King Uzziah died, man, everything changed. Why? I saw the Lord. Now, send me, send me, send me. I'm the guy. Send me. People, let's go. Let's go. The fire's on the altar. The fire is coming. The angels are getting ready. I believe they're unpacking their trumpets. I really do. I believe the fire's being stoked on the altar. And we don't need pride and we don't need another king. We don't need another Uzziah. And I know that you've had good times and I know right now some of you are troubled. But if you would see the Lord, it will change everything. The only cure for the Uzziah syndrome is an Isaiah experience. Here am I. Send me. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Bow your heads.